you guys want to follow along with me, Scripture will be uh, second, or First Peter chapter two, uh, verse nine. For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for whose whose own per- possession that you may proclaim the excellence of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Let's pray. O Lord and Heavenly Father above, hallowed be thy name. Father, thank you for being our God and our Father. Thank you for this life that you have given us and for the many blessings that we enjoy. Thank you for our families that support us and help us to stay strong and to to love us. We're we're just so blessed, and we thank you so much for that, Father, for the strength and the courage that our families can can give us. And, And, Father, we pray that people in this country will come to realize how important families are and that this emphasis on the nuclear family will grow and be strong and that People will take responsibility for their actions and raise their children and their loved ones. Father, we we thank you for this wonderful time of year, this spring season, the beauty that surrounds us, everything coming back to life after winter. It's just glorious here, Father, in Middle Tennessee, and we thank you so much for placing us here, for letting us see that and enjoy it. Father, thank you for for loving us so much that you gave your only begotten Son to die on the cross so that we might have everlasting life. Help us to always realize, Father, that Jesus is our only hope, the only hope of our family and our friends and our loved ones. Help us to always be there to help people see that. Father, we thank you for your holy word. And we pray, Lord, that we would be in it every day, that we would read it and we would study it, that, that you would put it in our hearts so that we can share it when the opportunity or the need arises. Father, we thank you for your church, for this place of refuge and support for your children. And, and, and we thank you, Father, for those that work for the church and, and as a career and and. and people who volunteer father we thank you for our elders and we pray lord that they would shepherd well we thank you for our deacons and we pray lord that they would do the work that you give them to do that would lift this congregation up we thank you for our bible school teachers father the people who take the time to prepare lessons to try to share your word and discuss it in bible class it's a big task and we thank you so much for those that are willing to do it father father we thank you for once again, for each and every family here at Jefferson Avenue, we pray, Lord, that you would be with the older folks, Father, that you would comfort them and give them strength and courage and let them be a good example to, to, the, to the rest of the congregation. We pray, Father, that you'd be with our, good, our young parents, that you'd give them the strength to raise their children in the fear and admonition of you. And Lord, we, we pray that you be with our young people, our, our teenagers, that you would keep them safe, Father, that you would be on their heart all the time, 
that they would turn to you and to Christians that they trust for guidance and for, for purpose. Lord, there are just so many things for us to be thankful for. We, we're, we're thankful for our jobs, for the measure of good health that you give most of us, Father, that, we, that we're enjoying right now. We, we have some, Father, that are not doing well. And, and Lord, there are people here today and there are people that are not here today that we really don't know what their needs and their problems are. But Lord, we pray that you'd be with them, that you'd give them the strength and the courage they need and give them your comfort and your peace, Father, that you'd help them overcome whatever their problem might be. Lord, we're especially mindful this morning of Miss Helen Kennard, who went into the hospital yesterday. Miss Helen's been sick off and on, seems like, for just months. And, and Father, we pray that you would be with her, that you'd give her her strength and her health back, if it be thy will. Father, we pray for Marilyn Aiken, known by many in this congregation, maybe not by all, a fine Christian lady that's taught many of our children in school, and Father, we pray that you be with, be with her and her family. And that you would give them courage and strength and comfort and your peace. That you would extend Marilyn's time as much as can be for her family's sake and for our sake. She, we, we pray this, Lord. We pray this with all our heart. Father, we pray that you be with us this morning as we worship you. We pray that we will do it in spirit and in truth and that it would be pleasing to you, Father. And we pray, Father, that every day, everywhere we go, all that we do, that we bring glory to you with our lives. Please forgive us of our sins, Father, when we fail you. Help us to do better tomorrow. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Number 85, Buried with Christ, which is also known as a new creature. Number 85. Buried with Christ, my blessed Redeemer, dead to the old folly and sin, Satan may call, the world may entreat me. There is a voice that answers within, dead to the world, to voices that call me, living anew, obedient but free. Dead to the joys that once did enthrall me, yet tis not I, Christ, liveth in me. Think it not strange that things I could cherish cannot allure me, our charm is before, for in the flesh with Christ I have suffered. Desires, I love them no more. 
dead to the world, to voices that call me, living anew, obedient but free, dead to the joys that once did enthrall me, yet is not I, Christ, liveth in me. Sin hath no more its cruel dominion, walking in newness of life I am free. Glorious life of Christ my Redeemer, which he so richly shareth with me. Dead to the world, to voices that call me, living anew, obedient but free, dead to the joys that once did enthrall me, yet is not I, Christ, liveth in me. If you're using your book today, our invitation song will be number 53 at Calvary, number 53. And now before Evan Burns comes to speak to us, let's sing number 19, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name, number 19. And will you stand please? All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all, ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransom from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial pole to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. To him, O majesty, ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that which yonder sacred throne we at his feet may fall will join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song 
and crown him Lord of all. Be seated, please. Good morning, Jefferson Avenue. I'm glad to be getting a chance to share a message with you. Before I begin, I just want to uh, make a small plug. We've got new classes beginning this month on Wednesday night. Hope you uh, can look around at some of the signs around the building to tell you about them. But this Wednesday night, uh, as we begin this month, is actually going to be our senior night. Uh, so all adult classes will meet here in the auditorium as part of that. Beginning the next week after that, though, there'll be uh, classes around the building uh, for adults and hope you plan on taking part in that. Uh, we are uh, glad that you are here this morning. We're going to be talking about wrestling in Genesis uh, chapter 32 this morning. If you want to turn your Bibles there, if you don't have a Bible with you, one of these books right in front of you on page 27 uh, is where we're going to be looking at. Feel free to grab one of those. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, wrestling. I'm not sure what your interaction with wrestling has been. Uh, I know we got a couple high school wrestlers uh, in our midst. I think Brian Liner uh, wrestled some. I think uh, B.J. Sullivan, I think, even wrestled some. Uh, maybe your interaction with wrestling more of you watched it uh, growing up. Uh, I don't know if you were like me, uh, but we got in trouble. We would watch wrestling, then we would go into the living room and then try to do the same moves we saw on TV. Uh, and that led into us getting in trouble, or we try them on the trampoline, or we try them in the pool. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all ever got in trouble for that. Maybe right now you are wrestling a toddler, uh, like Sarah, my wife. If so, good luck. There are suckers in the back, and there is a nursery around the corner if you need an intermission uh, at some point today. Uh, but in, in Genesis uh, 32, we're looking at an interesting wrestling match that's taking place. I'm going to tell you about one of the contenders as we begin. His name is Jacob. When we first hear about Jacob, it's when his mother Rebecca inquires of God of why he and his fraternal twin Esau are wrestling uh, when she's pregnant with them. And God tells her it's a foreshadowing of what is to come, not just between the brothers, but between the nations they will represent. Uh, Jacob will be the, the forefather of the nation of Israel, uh, Esau the forefather of Edom. Uh, and so we've got this wrestling match already taking place in the womb. Uh, between these two brothers. Uh, and so when they're born, uh, Esau is born first, but Jacob is soon born right after uh, clutching his heel. And so uh, Jacob is given the name Jacob, which uh, basically means a heel catcher or just one who, it means the heel, just one who's born grabbing the heel uh, after another. Uh, but Jacob's name would also pick up a different meaning. Uh, it would also become known, and some of your versions uh, in Genesis 27, he'll be called uh, the supplanter. In fact, if you want to give Jacob a wrestling name, that probably be the most accurate one to give him. Uh, the supplanter means it to means taking the place of another through force or through scheming or trickery. And Jacob's name would take on a different meaning. It wouldn't just mean hill catcher. It would mean uh, the one who deceives. He would become the supplanter because, indeed, Jacob does just that. As he gets older, uh, he tricks his very own brother. He tricks his uncle. Uh, at one point, he tricks his brother by uh, trading him a bowl of soup uh, for his uh, birthright, just meaning he gets to have a double portions of 
uh, of his inheritance. So the older brother gets a double portion of the inheritance and he tricks him for with a bowl of soup when he comes in famished uh, to get that. Then later, with the help of his mother, he dresses up as his brother, uh, puts on a goat hair for, on his arms and his forearms. He wears his brother's clothing. Uh, he fixes food and he goes in pretending to be his brother in front of his blind father, uh, Isaac. And he tricks him into giving um, him his blessing. And so here we've got his uh, trickery as just shown on great display as one who can scheme to get what he wants and to get what he desires. Uh, He does that also with his uncle after he flees uh, from his brother's wrath. When his brother finds out what he's done, he goes to his uncle and he ends up scheming and tricking him out of some things as well. And so Jacob... Uh, his name, meaning hill catcher, eventually became the deceiver, the supplanter. It's a prophetic name for the man he would become uh, and how he would act. And so uh, Jacob now, as we're picking up in this next chapter in Genesis 32, uh, he's on his way back. He's been sojourning for about two decades now, and God has told him to go back home uh, to where he's from. And he is dreading that uh, because his brother Esau is there. The one that he tricked uh, both times. The one that he robbed him of everything that the firstborn son son should have received. Uh, That's who he's going to face. And so on his way there, uh, he finds out, he sends emissaries out, and he he kind of trying to prompt Esau for his return, trying to, to soften his return on his brother, and they come back and say, Esau's coming to meet you. But he's not coming alone. He's coming with 400 men. You could only imagine what Jacob's response in his head and in his heart, and you see what he does when he hears that, just complete dread. Uh, Imagine the person that you've wronged most in this life, and they're coming to meet you. And they're coming to meet you with 400 men. That sounds like an army that's coming to meet you. And it's not just you, though. It's you. It's your your wife, your children. It's all your possessions, completely and utterly exposed uh, to this person whose wrath rightfully you are about to face and that's where Jacob is at and so Jacob takes a moment to pray in verse 9 then he sends uh, gifts to his brother he sends herd after herd of different kinds of animals uh, each individually presented to him as almost like a peace offering he is trying to do what he can uh, to pave the way of peace between him and his brother and then he decides to split up his household into two camps because he thinks if one is completely annihilated maybe the other ones have a chance to survive just imagine Imagine his mindset right now, facing that decision of having to split his family into two and hoping that one survives what is about to come. Well, then he decides he's going to have to do more after that, and he he separates them, puts one on on one side of the river, and he spends time alone. Uh, And so we, we see him, he's anxious, he's scared, he's fearful in the night, he's also alone, he can't sleep, and I don't know what Jacob was planning to do the night. Maybe he was planning to spend the whole night in prayer, but that soon and quickly ends. In verse 24, we read, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with men, or you have striven with God with men, and you have prevailed. 
All of a sudden, Jacob is emerged in a wrestling match. He is grappling with this being. Hours go by. You can just imagine wrestling all night through this. He's probably got sweat pouring off him. They're probably both covered in the dirt as they wrestle in the sand, but yet he grapples on. Neither one gives an inch, neither one gaining an inch, until suddenly the figure dislocates his hip with just a touch. You can imagine just the pain that he is in with that hip, with those muscles tearing, with that joint being out of socket, but he yet, his grip holds. He doesn't let go. The being request as daybreak uh, hits to be let go, but Jacob refuses. At some point in this wrestling match, Jacob knows this is not just a man. This is something divine. This is God or an angel. This is God himself maybe, but, but he demands something. He wants something. If you want to be let go from me, you're going to have to give me something. He wants a blessing. He wants a blessing he can't take from him. He wants a blessing he can't deceive uh, his way into getting. He wants to be granted this blessing. And so the, this being, uh, God or an angel, he asked him a question. A question you might think is really odd. Uh, considering the circumstances, what is your name? It's so weird to think that that's the question that he's answered. I'm sure Jacob is thinking, well, surely you know my name. You, you know who I am. What is your name? God has promised Jacob himself, uh, promised two decades ago of the blessing that was awaiting him. It was the same blessing that was given to his grandfather and to his father. Uh, the blessing of being a part of this blessing that would expand for multiple generations. That would be a part of this nation that was going to be promised. Uh, but you can only think and imagine when he hears that question, what is your name? Clinging and straining and fighting blood, just probably maybe uh, pulling in some uh, for some of these wounds that maybe he's occurred, just uh, covered in dirt and sweat. Jacob is now forced to give an answer, an answer that probably is opposition to what he wants to receive. The name that weighs heavy on him right now, considering his brother is coming to approach him. The name that is representative of, of part of his brother. He says, I'm, I'm Jacob. I'm the heel catcher. I am the deceiver. I am the supplanter. You can imagine the thought in his mind as he has to give that answer, and maybe he just utters it in disgust. I am Jacob. No longer, says the being, you're no longer going to be going to call Jacob, but you shall be called Israel because you have struggled, you have wrestled uh, with a man and with God, and you have prevailed. God has blessed Jacob with a new name with the name of Israel, and with it a new identity. Jacob was no longer to be associated as a swindler, as a trickster, as a supplanter, as a deceiver. He was going to be known as Israel, the man who strives yet prevails. You may be thinking, what good does a new name do uh, in the face of what he's uh, he's facing and what the situation that's coming upon him? What is a new name going to do as 400 men come closer and closer to you and to your family and to your livelihood? But it means a lot. Uh, it meant a lot to Jacob because he, he walks away that day, not just as a victor, but you've got to remember his uh, hip has been torn loose. It's been torn out of joint. He now walks with a s- severe limp. Uh, not only now is he going to face his brother, but he's going to face his brother physically uh, handicapped in the fight that's going to come, possibly in his mind. Uh, but Jacob knows uh, whatever comes his way, he's ready now. Uh, he's blessed now. God has not just given him a new name by which he is called. 
He's given him a new relationship, a blessing uh, brought about with God for Jacob, a new path, a new relationship with himself, a new relationship with the world, a new relationship with God. Uh, he left with a limp, but now he's got this renewed relationship with God, and he knew no matter what Esau was coming or who Esau was coming with or what Esau planned in his heart to do, that God had given him a promise, that God had given him a promise that God was going to be with him that he had this new name, this new identity. He was no longer Jacob. He was Israel. And so you might be thinking, how is this story relevant uh, today? Uh, And today I will say you probably have a name uh, that you carry, maybe a name that you don't like. Maybe you've changed your name because you didn't like the name that you were born with uh, and you thought your parents were crazy crazy for naming you that name. Uh, but and when we come to know Christ, it's not just a new name that we're given, but because I think we all could carry another name with us. Maybe our name is a deceiver. Maybe our name is a liar. Maybe it's an adulterer, a fornicator. Maybe it's a sinner. Maybe it's one that is lost. Maybe it's one that is self-centered, one that is uh, willing to lie and to cheat and to steal, to get what they want out of this world. Maybe it's one who's focused on worldly things. Maybe it's one who's uh, mistreated the people in their lives, even the ones that are closest to them. Indeed, all of us have fallen short and have sinned. Each of us bear the name of our failures for now and eternity. And we could do that, but God extends a blessing. A blessing of Jesus, his son, a blessing of a new relationship that we can have with God through Jesus. A blessing that comes with a new identity, a new path, a new relationship for you, a new relationship between you and God, a new relationship with you and the world, a new relationship Uh, with those that you're close to. You could become a brother or sister now to not just uh, the family of believers that are here today, but those that are worldwide. Your name uh, could be now changed to one who is not a deceiver, not a liar, not one who is a sinner or a fornicator. It could be now one who is chosen, one who is forgiven, one who's blessed. And so I want to tell you today that a new path awaits you, a new identity awaits you, one that I hope you take advantage of, one that is only available because God loves you and because Jesus died for you. First uh, Peter 2.9 says it this way, as we read earlier, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, the, to, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. For those who have already entered into a relationship with God, uh, this is uh, who you are now. Uh, you aren't trash. You never were. Uh, even the world treats you as one who is unloved and unwanted. Uh, that's not who you are. God's special possession now. And what that means is that that comes with the honor and the gift and the responsibility of declaring his praises to the world. Uh, when you think about this with a relationship with God, just like the relation that Jacob had and was able to experience as his new name Israel, uh, in the same way we come to know Christ, we experience a transformation. It changes everything. It changes our lives. It changes how we think. It changes how we act. Uh, it changes uh, this new uh, who you are. You're no longer this old man. Now you're this new man. And, and it's, maybe it's not a new name by which you're called. Uh, you are carrying the title now of Christians, but it's, it's much more than a new name. It's an identity of whose you are. It's an identity of how you live. Uh, if you look on the, the next screen, there's so many different things that we are called uh, in the Bible as we become a Christian. 
One based on our relationship with God, one based on our relationship we have with Jesus now that we've put on baptism. You are a child of God now. You're the light of the world. You're a salt of the earth. You are an ambassador. You are free. You are chosen. You are the temple of God. You are found. You are alive. Many others that you see before you, you have a new identity when you put on Christ. And again, it's not just this new title, but it's all these come with a new responsibility, a new relationship with God, a new way that you're going to live. Uh, Others are part of that blessing as well, but you become a Christian. Each person in here that's also a Christian is now your brother, is now your sister. Uh, You are to treat them differently now, because just like you would treat anybody in your family, maybe a little bit more special, a little bit more loved, a little bit more focused on, and, and it's a blessing to be a part of this family. I consider it a blessing to call some of you my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and this week especially, uh, it's been really, I guess, evident uh, that I'm thankful for these blessings. Uh, because as a brothers and sisters, you don't just look out your own needs. You're looking at how you can help uh, your other brothers and sisters. This past weekend, uh, Sarah was involved in a car wreck uh, in uh, close to Nashville, closer to the airport, Donaldson uh, Pike area, and... Brothers and sisters in Christ uh, came to our aid. They didn't see us as just strangers or just people who sat on the opposite side of the building. They saw us people deserving and needing our love, and they saw themselves as people obligated, not just out of just like, well, I've got to help them because if I see them and they saw me drive by, I better, do, I better have done something. Uh, but they were motivated out of love, out of love that formed because they now have a relation because they have a relationship with us. I want to tell you a little bit about what happened. So they're on their way home. It was Sarah, uh, Hazel, and Hudson, uh, and they were shook up after the accident, but everybody was physically okay. Well, we had our brothers and sisters, the Maynards, who came by. They drove by and they thought that looks like Sarah's uh, van. That looks like Sarah there. And they they drove by. And they didn't just drive by. They stopped and they turned around and they came back uh, to us. And they not only turned and came back and checked on us, uh, they offered to drive them all home, but when Sarah had to stay behind, uh, they took Hazel and Hudson and they drove them to meet me uh, at my house so that I could be there for them. Uh, that's a brother and sister in action, and it didn't stop there. Uh, Ken Mays took up to the plate, and Sarah called him. He does some of the insurance stuff and told him the situation, and he, he called a, a guy who usually does towing for him. He said, hey, I need you to go take care of this family for me. Well, the guy couldn't do it. So Ken left his house and drove all the way down there uh, to take care of it himself. Uh, he and my brother-in-law who came to help Sarah, they changed the tire on the car. He somehow got the bumper reattached, and uh, he said, I'm going to drive back your van uh, to one of the body shops that it can be repaired, and you're going to drive my truck. Uh, and then after that, so he did that, drove all the way down there, changed the tire, drove it back. He's been helping us since with insurance. Uh, and then sister Hillary Flat met Sarah to kind of check her out, make sure she was okay, and then brought her home to my house. We've had families bring us food like uh, uh, the Foxes and the Simpsons and, and, and others who have shown us love in just a variety of ways. That's how a family uh, acts. When you become a Christian, uh, we look at one another and look at ways that we can serve, look at ways that we can encourage, look at ways that we can support one another. When you become a part of the body of Christ, you are no longer alone. You are part of a family. You now have brothers. You now have sisters. And, and I say this not so that you look at other people and think, hey, they're going to love me and support me, but so that you look at them and know that you're expected to love and support them as well. 
As a community, they saw J.A. last weekend step out and to show love in just in a unique and unusual way all around. Different parks, different schools, different organizations, they experienced the love of God because you saw yourself not just as, uh, not just as your name, but you saw yourself as that holy priesthood who is to declare the glory of God uh, in the light that he has brought you out into uh, how he's brought you out of darkness and he's brought you into light. You're declaring that love in the way that you serve this community. It's a new identity. It's a new path. It's a, it's a new relationship you have now with this world. It's a new relationship you have with the people in this room. It's a new relationship you have with God. And so it's not just a name, it's a blessing. And so maybe the challenge today I'm asking you is, is what is your name? And I think a better way to think about it is, whose are you? And does your life, and does your life and the way that your relationships are for they form, do they display the glory of him who has drawn you out of darkness into his glorious light? Like Jacob, we can enter into relationship with God today and we can put on this new identity. We can put on this new relationship with him as we admit our brokenness to him. God can give us a new life as his children. We can enter into relationship with him full of blessings full of good promises over our lives through the amazing sacrifice of Jesus. And today we want to offer that for you. At Jefferson Avenue, we realize we are an imperfect people. Each of us can bear the name of our greatest sins, of our greatest failures. But because of Christ, we don't have to. We can say that now we, aren't, we are not perfect, but we have been perfected by Jesus. And we want to offer that to you. If you're struggling, if you are uh, struggling in life, if you need uh, prayers for encouragement, prayers for forgiveness, if you need uh, love from your brothers and sisters of Christ, we want to give that to you. But maybe uh, now you recognize, hey, I don't have that relationship with God. I don't, I don't have that relationship with Jesus. I haven't been baptized into his name. I haven't been taking on that new identity. Your Father in heaven desires that for you. He wants you to give you that new name. He wants you to be blessed with this new relationship. And we at Jefferson Avenue are here to serve you in that regard. If you have a need, if you have a prayer request, if there's something that we can do for you, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.